0: Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Otay. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Irving Malle. Sponsored by his son, Albert Malle. Breakfast on the Class is also dedicated in honor of Rabbi Shlomo Farhi. Thank you for everything, especially your pizza recommendation. Sponsored by Evan Costina for Toronto. I'm so glad I could help. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. Sure, my pleasure. Also, i um, as well, breakfast today is in, uh, in the Ilui uh, Shama of Moshe Ben Gilsom, a great lover of Eretz Israel, a lover of Am Israel, um, a promoter of uh, of having many babies, uh, Be'ezrat Hashem, and uh, and uh, we we are witnessing the Perot of his uh, of his uh, of his strength and his wife Yvette's strength in raising the uh, the uh, the president of our community as well. As uh, his uh, two brothers and his sister who are all involved in many different aspects of the community, uh, from Propel to the schools, to there's a synagogue in Eretz Israel with uh, with his name on it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they don't stop doing for everybody, and uh, of course everything that they do, harehim uh, kaparat mishkavo, they do they do and is a zechut for their dear father's neshama. Rabbi we are very familiar with one of the great teachings surrounding this holiday of Shavuot. And that is that we all understand and know that God said to the Jewish people, do you, do you want my Torah? And Moshe comes back to God and he says, he spoke to the Jews, Naseh nishma." He's the ambassador of the Jewish people in the, uh, in the heavens. And he comes back and he says, I bring you the answer. The answer is, they said they'll do in their, and they will listen. Hazaku baruch. But our rabbis tell us that there's a backdrop uh, behind the scenes as to what's going on in Hashem giving the Torah. Before He asks the Jewish people to receive the Torah, He also visits every single nation on earth. I remember learning this for the first time, that Hashem visited everybody. And they said, no, 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 no. And then Hashem asked us and we said, yes. It kind of changed my perspective on being the chosen nation, (laughs) Yanni. You know, no one will go no one's gonna to go to prom with you. You know, and the last person you ask, and they say yes, it's hard to feel special after that, right? But our Chachamim explained that when the nations of the world um, were approached by God and he asked them if they want to take the Torah, each nation responded and asked the same question. be? what does it say in the Torah? You want my Torah? What does it say in the Torah? Amen. And Al-Khachamim explained that each nation was given a different answer by God. The nation of Ishmael was given one answer. Hashem said to them, It says in the Torah, you can't kill. You can't kill. Right? What was the Berachah? Uh, uh, what's it called? Of, uh, you, can't, you can't commit adultery. What was the Berachah to Esav? You live on your sword. What did he tell Esav, which was eventually going to become the Romans, eventually later on in history, the German, uh, the, German the Nazis, what did he tell Esav? He said, Lo you can't kill. Each nation was given one commandment that for them as a people was the most challenging commandment for them to fulfill. And every one of the people said, no thank you. You want me to not kill? You want me to have only one wife? You want me to, you know, to give tzedakah? You want me? To... Each nation was given their specific challenge, and it was shown in the Torah that it says that they can't do this or so they must do that, and they all said no. Then he came to the Jewish people. He said, do "You want the Torah?" And they said, "Yes." How come God didn't tell the Jewish people what was in the Torah? How come God didn't tell the Jewish people that it says you're not allowed to argue? <laughs> Jewish, okay, could you imagine we were told not to argue with each other? Again, I don't know if we'd be happy with that, right? Imagine if it said, uh, what's it called? Uh, you, know, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, all the, you, you were told from the beginning all these different laws that maybe uh, the Jewish persona finds a little bit difficult, but Borei Olam doesn't bring that up. So on a simple level, um, we ask a question, how is this fair? How is it equitable of God offer the Torah, and then to tell each nation the hardest part for them, and when it comes to the Jews, not to share with them the information that's the turnoff. Maybe the Jews also would have said no, if Hashem would have said, you know, whatever, insert your own Jewish-themed joke here. Free, Free. yeah, etc., right? Take two. Yeah, all of these. And I must answer the, the question by, in, from two points. The first answer to this question is, it's true HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not ask them, he did not ask them, he did not tell them what it says in the Torah by giving them something difficult. Part of the reason for that is because they didn't ask. In Shabbat morning we spoke about this idea that a lot of times in a person's life, the questions that they ask actually make their life much more difficult. Why is this happening to me? Why is Hashem doing this to me? Why is Hashem doing How come? How come? How come? Challenging God all the time and showing a lack of emunah, that He has your best interest at heart. Like I said, Shabbat morning, they asked once, uh, Rav from Yuroslav, how come? How did you live a long life? He says, I never ask God why. Because sometimes a person asks Hashem, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Till there's so many questions. Eventually Hashem invites you up to Shemaim to give you the answers. <laughs> you don't ask questions, Hashem says, Oh, yeah, no problem. He leaves you there. <laughs> now that's an oversimplification, to be sure. But the fact that the Jewish people didn't ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu means that they didn't they didn't get a they didn't get the follow up. Yeah? They didn't get it. Now I want to dig a little bit deeper with you, because it's not just that the, that the Jewish people didn't ask. It's, you know, they say, ask a stupid question, you get a stupid, get a stupid answer. answer. I remember once I was on a safari on one of the trips that we took all these uh, young Jews on, and one of the kids raised their hand uh, as we started the safari drive in the wild and asked, "What time do we see the lions?" <laughs> 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 So I just heard the guy stop the jeep, he turned around, and he just looked at this girl, shook his head and carried on driving. <laughs> yes, yeah, a stupid question. Obviously, you're in the wild, where you think there's a time when you're going to, you know, there's an appointment where the lions come to eat the gazelle, you know, where you see him if you see him, you don't see him if you don't see him. Sometimes you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. But this is much deeper, Abutai, and this is really... Uh, I think, to a certain degree, at the crux of what Shavuot is. Now, many of us, when we look at Na'asev and nishma, we see Na'asev and as a statement that gets made, which then, in its aftermath, brings the reception of the Torah, so to speak. Imagine, let's say uh, Hashem says, you want the Torah? Jewish people say, we want it. After they say, we want it, so now comes the story of the Torah being received by the Jews. But really, Naasev and Ishmael has a much more focal position in the terminology of what Shavuot is. Because what is Shavuot? We relate to it, what do we say? Ziman Matan Toratenu. It was the time of the receiving of Torah. But what is the Torah? My friends, from a Jewish perspective, the receiving of the Torah, Torah is God's gift to the world. That's how the Jews saw. Torah in its entirety. They looked at Boreolam, Olam. He gave them a bunch of rules. They didn't see themselves as being beholden to a God. That they had to do this. That this was something that went against their interests. It was something they were doing for the benefit of their God. But rather they understood that if God was giving them these commandments, who were they for and who did they benefit? They benefited the Jews. So all the other nations, their perspective of what Torah was, led them to ask the question. Imagine someone says to you, Shlomo, is there any way? I need a favor. What's your first response? Sure, what do you need? What were the Goyim asking? What were the nations asking God? God says, I want to take my Torah. How do they see it? God was asking them for a favor. What's their response? Okay, what do you need? What's on the list? So they ask the question. But the question itself reveals their perspective. Could you imagine someone says, I have a gift for you. What do you say? You say, what's in the box? That's bad manners, right? You don't say that. No one ever said that, right? Even the most forward people, New York people are very forward. Right? Israeli people, also very forward. I remember getting into a cab in Israel once, and the guy says, Tagidli, the word for I was like, hi, my name is Shlomo. I feel like, you know, you need to buy me dinner first. Uh, I didn't need the guy didn't know me at all. Yeah? The guy says to me, I, I get in the car with my brother-in-law. He says to me, at the time he says, po? He tells me to sit on the one side. He says, Hashman man <laughs> The chubby guy, <laughs> let him sit over here because it's the smallest room in the chair. But you know it's fair, like Israel's family, so the combination of a New Yorker who's also an Israeli, shtabak shemal, even a New Yorker who's Israeli, like many of our dear friends here, someone brings you a gift, a gift wrap box. What do you, you say? Thank you. You don't ask him what's in the box. When God came to the Jews and says you want my Torah, they had no questions. You understand? Because they saw the Torah was a gift. Who asks? what's in it powerful right let's add to this <clears throat> the there's a beautiful mashallah <clears throat> i want you to imagine a fella gets a call guy says listen i heard you have a daughter i heard she's amazing she's wonderful she's uh, she has a great job she's shatra she knows how to do this She knows how to do that She's a wonderful midot Only does acts of chesed all the time You know, when she goes to the bathroom It smells like roses This, the best girl ever yishtaba, Fantastic, okay I have a great guy The guy is a sadiq He's a rahmanut Chesed He's uh, this, sedaka He's the Torah like you don't understand he Respects his parents do Hashem All the great things What's the problem? What's the problem, he says? Before you ask me, he says, I just want to tell you, you're never gonna find a boy like this. Only reason why he's even on the market still, he's not married already, is because Aziz, the guy's father's a drunk. But I'm telling you, I see this boy every day, I know him inside out. In your life, you won't find a boy like this. In your daughter's life, she'll never find a man like this. I put it to the crowd. You give your okay to go forward? I'm not married, just date. Yeah? No? Yes. La malo. La malo. So the dad in the story also felt like you. La malo. The guy comes to pick up the girl. The father says, Hey, how are you? Just one second, sidebar, Your Honor, approach the bench. He says, I heard the most wonderful things about you, and I couldn't be more excited that you're dating my daughter. He says, but swear to me one thing, that as long as you live with my daughter, you won't touch a bottle. I know what's going on with your dad. I know. I know what you saw. I'm nervous that there's a certain leaning of proclivity. Promise me. Swear to me. I don't want you to have something which is an isayon, which might be a problem. Can you swear? What does a boy say? Yeah. Of course. I already don't. I already saw that. Does the boy insult it? He understands. He gets it. Same guy calls for their, had, had that second daughter. He says, I have another amazing boy. The guy says, what's the problem this time? He says, I'll tell you. <laughs> there was a fight between the guy this, this other boy's father and the neighbor, and he got so mad, you know, he beat the living daylights out of the guy and went to prison for 10 years. He says, I see you're bringing me all the good sechora, you know, Fantastic. <laughs> says, it's a shame you weren't around to make shiduchim for these people, the generation back. Anyway, so he put the same guy, guy comes, takes second daughter. What does he do? Pulls him aside. He says, Roche, I love you, Mafi Mitlak. You're the best ever. I'm going to love having you as a son. Take my daughter out, treat her well, la, la la. Promise me one thing every day you do 10 minutes of yoga in the morning. <laughs> And you speak you speak to this guy, my friend from anger management, once a month, check it, once a year. Understandable? Guy knows his father put someone in the hospital. They have anger issues in the family. Rabbi Otay, when it came to the Jewish people, God said, <laughs> You want to be, you want my Torah? You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's how he asked the Jews if they want it. And what did the other nations get? Listen, don't kill, don't steal. You know what the answer is? Each one of the nations had a father who demanded a conversation before you took Bore Olam's daughter. The Torah is compared to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's daughter. And God says, I'm marrying off my daughter to Am Israel." Please, he says, take me with you. Let me have a little room on the side let me come visit." That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. I want to be in the proximity of this most treasured possession in God's storehouses. So of course Hashem asks each of them, He asks him,. When it comes to the Jews, who's the grandfather? The sharkhan calls again, and he says, I have a child for you. A young man, it's wonderful. What's his name? He's like, he says, look, you know what? Don't even tell me about the boy. I know the boy's great. What'd the father do? What's the father's... that He says, oh, Rav Chaim Kanievsky. The Gadol ador. he has a beard. You know what they say? I remember once there was a great rabbi. He had a, a, very, very, had a low, very long beard. His name was uh, Rav Aaron Feldman. He has a very long white beard. So they had a picture of him on the cover of one of these uh, religious magazines. And at the bottom of the picture, because it's so long, the beard got cut off. And it said over there, beard continued on page 27. <laughs> Had gets get a phone call. Who is it? Reb Chaim Kanevsky's son. Does he have to pull the guy for a sidebar? Does he have to make him promise anything? He doesn't. All he tells him is your grandfather's Rahim. Your, your father, your grandfather's the stipler, that you the, the father for on the other side is Chaim Ovadia. <laughs> you know, the other great grandfather is the Benish Kai. What does he tell him? He tells him, please promise me that you'll continue in their ways. That's what he asks him for carry on be you promise me that you'll continue to be you my friends I must share that when I when I saw this and read about this there's one way to look at Torah as a study of history to look backwards in time and understand or think that the Torah is talking about something that was but really anything that was doesn't make the cut in Torah Every piece of Torah is only there to communicate to future generations, to teach us how to live our present and our future. Nothing in the Torah is there for the past. What's the proof that we have for this? Sorry? Excellent. Our Talmich HaKam over here says, uh, there's certain nivuot, certain nivuot that we don't even know about because it wasn't a prophecy that was relevant future generations. We see this also in the Megillah. In the Megillah it's telling you all about Mordechai and Esther. Right? I don't know if this ever bothered anybody. We get all, you know, sometimes rabbis, you get all of the people's uh, the bad news. They're telling you about how the marriage is on the rocks, problem with the kid, this problem with the they're being interviewed by the FBI, and not for a job, okay? All these different things are happening to them. You hear about all the problems, and you meet the guy in shul. You're like, oh, what's the matter? It's like, oh, yeah, it resolved itself last year. Meanwhile, every day you're leaving for the guy. You, know, you, only get the, you only get the bad news. Sometimes people forget to tell you the good news, that things resolve themselves. Because they came in a moment of crisis. Nobody blames them, but just that's the reality. I feel like that's the Megillah. We have like nine chapters. It's all about the story about the Jewish people. Everything's terrible. Finally, Mordechai is in charge. Esther is wonderful. Tell us a little bit about some nice times. You know, tell us about how the Jews developed a new food and they named it falafel and it conquered all of the lands. Tell us some nice things. Tell us in the end of the Megillah that the child of Esther actually produced the return to Eretz Israel to rebuild the second Beit HaMikdash. Is that not the perfect ever after for that story? What does it end in the Megillah, it says? And the rest of the story, go read it in the books of the kings of Persia and Media. Go read it. Go read it in those books. Go read it in the history books of the Persian and Median kings. What we're learning over here is that whatever was necessary to teach us, that makes it into the Megillah. Nice historical tidbits. We're not here to give you uh, nice stories. We're here to teach you lessons. Rabbi this idea is not only a historical one. where we look back at a moment where God asked the nations of the world a question, And we understand why God related to the Jews this way. How can he related to the non-Jews that way? They asked the question. They saw it as a thing. This question is also a challenge for all of us each and every year. To get into the mindset before Shavuot that this, this book that God gave us, how do we relate to it? Is our outlook of the Torah more in line and more connected to the way the nations saw the Torah? a list of requirements of laws that God was making, God was asking you a favor or do you see it as a gift? Is shacharit a favor to God or is it a gift? Studying Torah, you're doing a favor for Hashem? Look Hashem, I need this deal to go through. I'm going to do some favors for you. You do some favors for me. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. A favor for God or is the mitzvah itself a tremendous gift? Shavuot is to realign our feelings in that way, and that's why we throw a bash, a celebratory bash called Shavuot. All the other holidays is an opinion that you could fulfill your mitzvah by doing spiritual endeavors. You know that you could study and learn. And according to one opinion, the Gemara, you fulfilled your obligation of a samachta bechagecha. You know, chazi but on except faatzer hakol modim on You need to have for you. You need to celebrate. Because if you're not celebrating it, then you stop relating to it like a gift. You start relating to it like a favor. And as we all know, how many times are you going to do someone a favor? How many times are you going to do someone a favor and not resent it? If we can bring that feeling back into our lives that every mitzvah is a pleasure, Is a gift. It's a a chance for me to be able to do something powerful for me. Imagine the king gives you an audience, right? Is that a favor from the king to you, or from you to the king? The king doesn't need you to come to his office. Every time you get to go, you get to ask him for stuff. You get to develop the relationship, so if you need something later, ishtabach shemo, right? You got this. Shacharit is that is that granted? Uh, interview session, that time with the King where Hashem says, I'll make myself available for you every morning, every afternoon, every night. Karov Adonai lechol kore'av What an unbelievable gift. Ashrenu matov chelkenu. How lucky we are that we have this Torah. How lucky we are that we have this day that reminds us how to look at the Torah. leolam. Amen.